You know how in cereal commercials it says part of a well-balanced breakfast, you've got the bowl of cereal, but then there's always a cup of fruit, a glass of orange juice, etc. What they don't tell you is that also in the background you should be listening to an episode of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, just a programming note, there should be four, maybe five episodes about what we are covering in this episode and for the next few, Wizard People Dear Reader. It is a YouTube series, we will be discussing it in this episode, there will be a link to a playlist where you can watch it in the description of this episode. So we'll be doing the first two episodes. We're taking a week break for the fifth Monday in May, and then we'll be back for the rest afterwards in June. And speaking of June, we will be doing another digital Potterless live show in early June. I believe it will be June 10th, but we will confirm that later. I'll post about it all over on social media, so if you're following Potterless on Twitter or Instagram, you will find it, and I'll be sure to talk about it in a future episode. But very similar to how we did Wizarding World Survivor, we'll do another fun live show type thing where it's a digital stream, and your ticket will get you access to a video that you can either watch live or after the fact, and you can rewatch it as many times as you like, so just stay tuned for a future announcement, but tentatively June 10th, another digital Potterless live show. And of course, I want to thank the newest members of our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless who are supporting the show and keeping it going, so shout out to Paige Labreski and Catherine, a name correction for Emma Lynn Harland, and a huge shout out to our newest producer level patrons, Ping Vinatchek and Nani. They join the ranks of Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clow, Marchismo, Juan, Rosemary, Maria, Lisa, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Rachel, Alex, John, Noel, Claire, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Nikki, Kine, Sarah, Marta, Flor, Skyla, Adele, Professor Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Kerry, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Marike, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Kevin, Jarl, Pita, Callahan, Bella, Melanie, Rees, Joseph, Madison, Tonks, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Boney, Pony, Kelsey, Rike, Taylor, Megan, Riley, Laurel, Erica, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Demi, Michelle, Henrika, Casey, Megan, Jack, Stain, Little, Elaria, Gregory, Cawcaw, Ribbon, Jack, Serenity, Haley, Sabrina, Jenny, Eileen, Annette, Hufflepuff, Brett, Mary, Artemis, Samantha, Nina, Tatiana, Karis, Vomit Spiders, Punkfish, Wire Warrior, Joe, Michael, Maya, Jasmine, Neely, Tate, Sam, Sam, Adriana, John, Jody, Dunna, Nosh, Emma, Ilshawn, Greg, Matthew, Steamed Nuggets, and Cat Eye Potter, who never miss just one spot on their shoulder when applying sunscreen so that they get sunburned not all over, just in one particular spot, and it's really frustrating because you were just so close. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to monthly live streams, bonus episodes, my notes, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash potterless, but without further further ado, let's get into episode 177 of Potterless, the first of four or five covering Wizard People Dear Reader, guest starring Brandon Grugel from Multitude. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid, but he did watch what we're covering today many times before reading the books. He eventually read the books and consumed other Harry Potter content. My name is Mike Schubert. I am that grown man, and I am here joined today by someone who had never seen this prior to this episode, so we're still keeping that Potterless good vibes intact where someone is new to it and someone is an expert it is Brandon Grugel from Multitude, Join the Party, whole bunch of fun stuff. Brandon Grugel and Modern Muckraker. Hey ho, Brandon Grugel, how's it going? <laughs> hey, how's it going? It's good. Um, you must have been horribly disappointed after watching this and then going to the real thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is uh, a step above. So we are going to be covering Wizard People, Dear Reader, which is just absolutely iconic for anyone unaware Thank you for listening to this episode without having any idea what the hell we're talking about. But also, <laughs> Wizard People, Dear Reader is a, I don't even know what to call it. It is a voiceover parody of 
Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone that came out in 2004 that was made by a comedian and comic artist, Brad Neely. And he monologues over the muted first film, the North American version, and just makes it ridiculous. It sounds like you're listening to a book. So it feels very Google Translate-y where you have a book turned into a movie, <laughs> turned back into a book that parodies it, and you get Wizard People, Dear Reader. And I used to watch this in college all the time. This would be our go-to <laughs> like Friday night before a party you know, before like pre-gaming was really like, oh yeah, let's like play beer pong, blah, blah, blah. Obviously I'm a big old nerd. Me and my friends would just drink and watch this. <laughs> and it was a fun time. Before we get into it, what was what was your experience from somebody who had not heard of this to, to watching this now as a grown adult? I think we'll get into it a little bit. I don't think it's some <laughs> of it has, a large part of it has aged very well. <laughs> but no, I can see. there's some stuff that certainly does not hold up. <laughs> but I could see 16-year-old me, you know, when it came out laughing very hard at it. <laughs> Yes. Kelly, when I was showing her some clips, because she also had not seen it before, she laughed at none of it because she said that this was, and I quote, 2004 boy humor. Yep, that's accurate. Yep, pretty accurate. <laughs> I still think parts of it are very funny and very well done. Oh, yeah. I also see things in this rewatch where I was like, oh, I remember laughing at that so much when I was 19 years old, but now I would not even smirk at that joke. Like, oh, it's just funny because he said the thing strangely. Yeah. But then other parts are incredibly creative. And then, yeah, there's some parts where it's like, oh, come on. But unfortunately, that's just all of comedy in the early 2000s. Oh, it's yeah, just people course. not being wise enough to think before they write words that could make people feel bad. That's just the march of human progress, you know? We get better. Yes, and that's why we call it out so that we don't make these same mistakes and it's not 2020 and we're still watching TV and TV shows are still calling things lame and dumb. Yeah. What are we? Come on. I know. <laughs> it is flabbergasting, <laughs> especially when you see it on like a progressivist show. Like they say lame all the time on The Good Place, which does not feel like that show should be doing it. So, I don't know, man. Yeah. I also, when I uh, first started watching this, um, I haven't actually done this, but uh, have you heard of the Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon sync up with Wizard of Oz thing? Ah, I think so. I haven't actually done it, but I've heard it. Yeah, I haven't done it either. But um, when I was a teenager on the internet and reading conspiracy theories about like Paul is dead and, you know, all this kind of weird. As one does, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> creepypasta things. The idea of syncing a film soundtrack perfectly to a movie was like so and just deliciously enticing to me and this reminded me of that but the funny version <laughs> yeah and i was reading up on the wikipedia about it to learn the history and apparently it was started because brad neely was out with some friends at a bar and there was a guy playing pool by himself with headphones in and they were joking about what they thought he was listening to and one person said harry potter book on tape shows that you know audiobook wasn't a normal term in the early <laughs> 2000s and then from that point brad started doing this voice and saying incorrect things on purpose and then he went home and decided to write it all down and was going to just record it as a spoof audiobook type 
type thing, but then realized that that might be kind of boring, you know, just dunking on our entire profession (laughs) and uh, decided it would be funnier if it lined up with the movie. But I do think there is a lot of extra comedy by adding it to the movie, because I think something that Wizard People Dear Reader does incredibly well is point out things that I didn't realize were ridiculous. Even me looking at things with a snarky lens on purpose, there are things that Wizard People Dear Reader brings to light that I didn't recognize were ridiculous. And I'm glad that Brad went through and decided to do it over the movie. That led to apparently the New York Underground Film Festival did a live playing of the movie with the recording over it. And then Brad Neely started doing some live shows where they would just mute it, play the movie, and then he would speak over it. But then (laughs) Warner Brothers, being the worst, as they always are, (laughs) laid down the law. And since they couldn't actually take legal action because it was fair use under parody. Mm. Instead, Warner Brothers went to these theaters and said, we won't show upcoming Warner Brothers movies at your cinema if you keep doing this. Classic Warner Brothers. I am very excited for when I start doing the Percy Jackson pod in a couple of months. Instead of having to be constantly afraid of Warner Brothers smiting me from the sky, (laughs) instead, I can think, hey, maybe Rick Riordan will see this and be chill. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever heard this um, idea, but there's an idea out there basically that Star Wars is so popular and so, like, integral to the Western canon at this point because of the fact that George Lucas and the greater Star Wars Lucasfilm team were super chill in the beginning and even like supportive of the folks who would do like parodies or do like um, make fan things like whether that be action figures or toys or like whatever about it. Like they wanted people to use their IP because it's free marketing. Yeah. And that's why it worked. Mm -hmm. Why has Warner Brothers not learned this lesson yet? Stop it. (laughs) They just want to put everything inside their little cage and then only they can protect it. And then when the one author that you've centered everything around decides to be a bad person, it crumbles your entire (laughs) franchise. But I do want to dive in. But first thing to your point about that, the major thing I noticed about this while watching it was because one, it's well, it's actually pretty well written like there's a lot of really nice turns of phrases and stuff but because of the like high uh highlighted like high fantasiness of it it really made me realize how the first book of the harry potter series is so contrived (laughs) (laughs) it's so over the top every second of that movie and book is like oh look at this wizard thing isn't that cool (laughs) it's such a perfect excuse to not have to write a good book (laughs) (laughs) it's just put in funny cool interesting wizard things like interesting like you get distracted by the ceiling in the great hall and you don't realize how silly it is that a or like how how there's not a plot to this book like there's not anything (laughs) interesting It's such a good distraction from the fact that J.K. Rowling could not write, at least in the first book. Right. And that's what I also recognize with this, because you and I have prepped the first half of Wizard People, Dear Reader. So the first half of the first movie. And you get up to the point where Harry's about to play in his first Quidditch match. And 
all Harry has done is gone shopping for school and gone to some classes. Exactly. And that's half the movie. <laughs> exactly. I always think back and laugh looking at Potterless's history in that I did the first book in two episodes and then I did 56 about book seven or something like that. <laughs> but in retrospect, I do stand by that decision because nothing happens. Yes, exactly. <laughs> nothing at all. It's all just, ooh, look at this thing. Ooh, look at this thing. Just like you said. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a really bad, there's, there's some fucking fantastic fanfics about just everything out there. It's like a really bad fanfic of its own IP in which it's like, <laughs> ooh, look at this weird frog, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've dunked on Harry Potter and all the true fans have stopped listening to this episode and are rushing <laughs> to leave one-star reviews, now we can talk about Wizard People, Dear Reader. <laughs> If you are going to watch it, it exists on YouTube, except for Chapter 15, which we had to watch on Dailymotion.com. Shout out to Dailymotion for having a bunch of illegal stuff all the time. Which I also think, was that a different narrator on that one? It sounded higher quality. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded either like it was re-recorded or it was someone doing a very good impression. Yeah. It could be someone so frustrated with Warner Brothers only deciding to take down one of 35 <laughs> parts of this on YouTube. And they have decided, we need this for posterity. I'm going to Daily Motion and I'm going to do my best Brad Neely impression. Maybe that's the case. But yeah, I think the only real downside to watching this now in the year 2021 is that the audio quality is just got a pretty loud hissing noise in the background. <laughs> and maybe it's because I'm a podcast boy and I love to use RX-8 to just kill hissing noises. I was certainly tempted to download, <laughs> run it through real quick to cut the noise and then start watching. I was going to say, we could just download it and then fix it re-up it if you want. <laughs> and then Warner Brothers will smite me with their giant lightning bolts. <laughs> so chapter one, at least for the videos that I was watching on YouTube, it had titles for the chapters and that is inconsistent across because it's uploaded across multiple accounts in multiple places because it keeps getting taken down, but only certain ones. And the chapters are entitled in the narration. But I still like the titles that exist, so I will be naming the ones that are here. I don't know if they're real or not, but this first chapter is called Power Baby. <laughs> Importantly, is there a comma in between power and baby, or is it just no, Power no, no. Baby? It's, it's Power Baby, because <laughs> Harry Potter in this world is very much a Power Baby. <laughs> So one of the earliest narrations says, quote, Out from the shadows of God knows what dimension steps the oldest known wizard in the books, the near-dead Dumbledore. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. I gotta say, Dumbledore the Half-Dead and the near-dead Dumbledore, best name in this entire thing. Uh, there's so many good names, but yes, just constantly saying that Dumbledore is on death's bed <laughs> is very fun. And for anyone that hasn't watched it yet, I highly recommend doing so, but just keep in mind that the entire thing is narrated with a voice that would sound like, out from the shadows of God knows what dimension. Like, it's just the that was pretty good. silliest, nasaliest voice it just sounds like the ultimate caricature of what someone would think a dungeon master playing D&D <laughs> would sound like, and it makes me very happy. Totally. So Dumbledore starts to use the put-outer, not the deluminator, but it's got an even different name in this. It is called the Street Darkener, which I think is the best of all the name options. Yep, that was immediately the thing that I was like, yep, that's the best name. Mike's that's gonna love that. That's the best that. one. We have done it. So then Dumbledore approaches McGonagall, who is first described as a cat that he knows, <laughs> which is very fun. But now Professor McGonagall has a different name, and this is the first instance of people having just different names. And sometimes the names are kind of similar sounding, and other times they're just completely different. 
and both are very funny. There's no <laughs> rhyme or reason to it, and both of them work equally well, in my opinion. So in this case, instead of being Professor McGonagall, her name is Professor Hardcastle McCormick. I don't know if that's anything. Sounds cool. I dig it. I just looked it up. You want to find out what it is? Yes, please. <laughs> so apparently Hardcastle and McCormick was an American action crime drama television series that aired on ABC from September 1983 through May 1986. Never heard of it. It stars an ex-con and race car driver, Mark Skid McCormick. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And then uh, the... Other co-lead is Judge Milton C. Quote unquote, hard case, hard castle. That's silly to have a nickname. Uh, I was going to say that, but my nickname is Shubes. <laughs> so <laughs> I was going to say it's silly to have a nickname that sounds exactly like your last name, but I have immediately been refuted. <laughs> and then, yes, McCormick is described as being a friend of Dumbledore the Half-Dead. So now enter Hagrid, described as, quote, shredding through the stratos and Hagrid's name is Hagar the Horrible. That is a comic strip, right? That's like a Viking from a comic strip, I'm pretty sure. Yes. That would be on the funny pages. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good. That name makes sense. I like it. <laughs> he is described as, quote, a huge man that if you didn't know better, you may mistake him for a giant hairy truck. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good line. <laughs> it's so good. This whole thing is just immensely quotable. There are so many quotes you can pull from it. Some of these descriptions are just like, oh, J.K. Rowley should have just wrote it this way. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh-huh. A thousand percent. He calls Hagrid's motorcycle a sky leopard, which is powerful. <laughs> and then we get into McCormick, Hagar, and Dumbledore talking about the plan, which is to leave Harry Potter, quote, a weapon of the gods at a freaking <laughs> muggle doorstep. And what's so fun about this is that the narrator falls into this strange place where he knows some things about the wizarding universe, but then also doesn't know anything. And then sometimes things that happen are a complete surprise to him. And it just floats in the middle of all of it. And it just really keeps you on your toes. The fact that muggle is just mentioned with no explanation for what it means, yeah. as opposed to some of the things that are overexplained, is just wonderful. Mm -hmm. I love it. So McCormick is hesitant on the decision to drop off the baby. Hagar is in tears. And then Dumbledore, <laughs> it says, quote, Dumbledore, his master, tells him to wait in the frickin' car if he has to. <laughs> oh, so good. It's so good. So then there's this rambling about the baby, the baby, the baby. And then this goes on so much so he gets caught up in his words. And this is another fun thing that happens is just trying to make the narration hit with certain parts of the movie. There are times where he talks very slowly or has a long pause, or in this case, has to rush really quickly to end up saying Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone at the same time <laughs> when the title screen shows. And that's how the first YouTube clip ends. And it just really sets the stage for the entire production. It really does. It's definitely, I think, my the favorite and the best one. He didn't improvise this. Like, he wrote it, right? No, he wrote it. And okay. you can hear him turning pages yeah. as you watch the <laughs> YouTube video. 
you also hear some chair creaking and other background noises. But yeah, you definitely hear pages flipping. So he <laughs> wrote all of this. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Chapter two is called The Pork Family Project. So the narrator compliments Harry for making the most of his room. And this is something I didn't recognize until this narrator points it out, is that Harry really does have decorations all on the inside of his very, very tiny room. He, like all good people have to do in New York City apartments, has shelves everywhere because <laughs> closets just don't exist. So you have to have shelving all over the place. I really paid no attention to the interior of Harry's room until this was pointed out. And I'm very thankful that I now get to appreciate it. <laughs> I love that you just like feel this like brotherhood with this kid, fictional kid who lives in a literal closet <laughs> because you're a New Yorker. Look, as much as one star iTunes reviewers want to say, why does he keep mentioning he lives in New York as you try to brag? It's just a fact of life. I We have a closet and a half at best, <laughs> not even walk in. It's not even a step in closet. Like it is as deep as a shirt is the closet <laughs> we're talking about. And Kelly and I have had to get very creative with shelves and putting things inside of suitcases under our raised bed. You gotta. And you, you really gotta do that kind of stuff. Our cabinets are stocked. Uh, you gotta do what you gotta do. Dear one-star iTunes reviewers, uh, New Yorkers have nothing to talk about except for the fact that they live in New York. So get over it. <laughs> the real answer is that it comes up so much because my guests sometimes don't know that I live in New York because sometimes their first time meeting me is on the podcast. <laughs> so Harry says that he could incinerate his awful stepfamily with spells, but chooses not to. And this establishes a different Harry take, which I appreciate in that Harry is this all-powerful wizard that knows he has all this power, and rather than learn about being a wizard and magic and all this kind of stuff, Harry is just keeping it all inside for the benefit of the world, and it just makes him extra powerful and i love it <laughs> yeah same he's just this almighty being that benevolently decides not to destroy everyone that slights him with his all-powerful magic if you're a god and you willfully choose to live in a closet that's just such a power move <laughs> mm-hmm mm-hmm so Dudley's name is Roast Beefy Weefs. They give all of the Dursleys a very pig-based names, which might be bad, but also in the books, JK is incredibly fatphobic towards them. But then also Dudley does turn into a literal pig, or at least gets a pigtail later on. But then also, that's not a good look, so I don't know. But in what is certainly a bad look, there is a point where the narrator describes Dudley as being borderline retarded, and that's just disappointing, but also very 2004. But still, I'm glad that for the most part, I it, whenever I hear this word, it is like nails on a chalkboard made out of styrofoam. <laughs> and I'm glad that people have recognized that this is not okay. Yeah, yeah. This is the beginning of, of the fat jokes for the Dursleys. But uh, as you pointed out, I think uh, both JK and uh, Brad here are uh, on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you reread those first book chapters about the Dursleys, it is just brutal and completely unnecessary. Yeah, they're Absolutely bad because they're terrible. fat, when in actuality, the characters are just bad because they're bad people. But you wouldn't know that from reading the book. Nope. <laughs> So Vernon's first name of many is Giggle Snort, which I do think is the best name. <laughs> yeah, 
That is pretty good. <laughs> but Uncle Giggle Snort is brought into play. Harry then is making breakfast for them. The narrator describes this as labor-intensive and without magic. <laughs> and then he represses his urge to destroy the house and the family with an incendiary fireball. And then the narrator ends this by saying, quote, but our wolf remains cool. <laughs> Vernon, who is now called Uncle Pig Fat, is also later called Uncle Salt Porker. And he is onto Harry's magical ability. And he gives Harry a little lecture before they go to the zoo about not using magic and this is ended with a description where the narrator says his face is the worst (laughs) (laughs) Uh, incredible so at the zoo Harry is described as being psychically linked with the snake. So Harry is not a parcel tongue. He has a telepathic connection with the snake because Harry, too, has dreamed of eating leopards and bears and dick dicks, which I did have to Google. And they're very cute little <laughs> antelope-like creatures. Oh, I am so aware of this. My, I, That is one of the best names of, of any animal of all time. And uh, me and my old roommate, Andrew, loved Dick Dicks. And then I went to Abu Dhabi on a vacation once. Whoa. My dad lived in the UAE for like a year because he worked for the um, State Department. So I went there to visit him. And uh, we went to this like, you know, very like, hey, white people, come experience <laughs> the UAE. Um, but they had little Dick Dicks in a ca- like in a little like um, pen resort area thing, like a pen. Yeah. Oh. And they were so cute. Amazing. They're the cutest little animals. They look very cute. I have always been quite partial to the Okapi because I saw them once at the Walt Disney World Safari Mm -hmm, Adventure. And mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, it looks like a hybrid of a bunch of cool animals. But yeah, Dick Dicks, after I Google image searched them, have rapidly risen in the ranks of coolest animals. Mm -hmm. Now, they just spelled D-I-K. So don't just search Dick Dicks. Yes. I Googled D-I-K, D-I-K, not knowing how to spell it, but just learned. Learning from the mistake of my father, Dolphy <laughs> Schubert, who in the early days of the internet was once trying to get sports equipment for my baseball team. <laughs> and he tried to shop at Dick's Sporting Goods online website. And at work during a lunch break, he went to dicks.com oh, and no. hit enter. And you could not close internet browsers very quickly in the year 2002. And uh, he had to do some blocking of his own computer screen <laughs> until he could close Dick's. Com. <laughs> oh, poor sweet Joel. <laughs> oh, poor sweet Joel indeed, past Brandon. But if he doesn't want me to put him on blast on the podcast, maybe he should listen to it. I don't know, Joel. Figure out how the podcast app works. Anyway, hey, it's me, Editing Mike. How's it going, everybody? Going to take a little bit of a break here for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Function of Beauty. Let's say hypothetically that you are Hagar the Horrible, and you've got hair everywhere. You want to make sure that your hair is healthy and looking great. What could you use? You could use Function of Beauty. Function of Beauty is the world leader in fully customized hair care. They create your unique formula based on a short but thorough quiz to give your hair everything it needs to look and feel its best. I've got a bunch of stuff from Function of Beauty. Kelly's got a bunch of stuff from Function of Beauty. My mother has used it. And now Kelly's mother, my mother-in-law, also joins the list of members of my family that love Function of Beauty. Recently, Kelly and I expanded some of the stuff that we got. Kelly got a face serum. I got a hair serum to protect my hair from when I blow dry it before I make it all swoopy. 
And we really like both of them. They're really nice. And also we tried out that body wash that we got, the mango scent, and it smells so good. It smells so fantastic. We smell good. The whole bathroom smells good afterwards. It's just a wonderful experience. And in addition to smelling great and feeling great in your hair, every product from Function of Beauty is sulfate and paraben-free. They're vegan and cruelty-free as well. And if you want to try out Function of Beauty, you can go to functionofbeauty.com slash to take your quiz and save 20% off your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. Again, that's functionofbeauty.com slash to let them know that you heard about it from here, and you'll get 20% off your first order. So head on over to functionofbeauty.com slash and get some awesome hair care, body care, skin care products, and start smelling great and making your hair, Hagar the Horrible, look fantastic today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is flash bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you collect some cards or reopen some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And then the narrator continues, says, and what do you know? Harry can actually speak with this creature. Will his talents ever stop emerging? So just a great example of sometimes the narrator doesn't even recognize the true (laughs) power that Harry Potter has. Harry sees himself in the snake additionally because the snake is parentless, dangerous, and beautiful. 
Just <laughs> wonderful description. And then the final thing, there's the, you know, glass going away. Dudley gets inside. The glass comes back. That's described as, quote, look at the zoo's new exhibit. It is a play, a tragic comedy, the lament of roast beefy O'Weefy. Ha ha. So now Dudley is Irish. And we get into <laughs> chapter three, which is called Harry's Depression. Again, not the greatest look making light of depression, but turning Harry into a, a wine-guzzling 10-year-old is funny. I wish it wasn't linked to his depression. Oh, yeah. I didn't even put that together. That is not great. But putting, <laughs> making Harry Potter a drunkard is very funny. <laughs> yes, I want to focus on that and not the part that he drinks wine because he's depressed. Yes. So the... Dursleys are referred to as the Porkums family. They are also later called the Hog family. Vernon is called Uncle Porkflaps and then also Uncle Pigums. Lots of name changing, but we get into the owl situation, dropping off the letters. So Harry gets his first letter and Dudley, who is wearing a, a, a one of those hats that the barbershop quartet type people wear. A pork pie. Thank you, a pork pie. He is described as cousin ragtime roast beefy simply <laughs> because of the hat. And again, this is something I didn't realize. Dudley is wearing a very silly hat in this I scene. Did, and I didn't, I didn't notice this until the narrator of Wizard People Do Reader pointed it out to me. Thank you so much. <laughs> it says that birds of every breed and fashion drop off letters at the pork and chips home and quote, Harry in a spiral of depression turns to the escape of the world of miniature equine aficionada. He produces many a wine out of nowhere spell and is drunk every day before noon. And this is, again, something I didn't realize. Why does Harry play with tiny horse figurines? <laughs> I did not even remember. If I was at some sort of multiple choice trivia night and they said which of these didn't happen and one of the options was Harry plays with tiny horses, I would be like, that never happened. No way at all. <laughs> How did I not notice this? Why does, is that like a Dursley thing where, oh, we can't buy action figures for Harry Potter. <laughs> the best we can do is tiny little toy horses. Why does no Harry have idea. Them? I have no, I don't know if this is just a movie thing. It, I, it has to be. There's no way. If it's described in the book, first of all, delicious. But second of all. <laughs> It's just another reason why J.K. is a terrible writer. <laughs> like, it's a Chekhov's horse situation. We never get horses ever again in this series, unless you count the Thestrals, which don't count. They're ghost horses, whatever. They're bony ponies, of course. But yeah, I don't trust 2016 Mike Schubert with everything. <laughs> I do trust 2016 Mike Schubert enough to make fun of horses if that was described in chapter four of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So Harry also ha apparently has been stealing Valium from Aunt Petunia. <laughs> that makes its way into the narration. Vernon rambles about a plan to unleash a giant cat to scare away all of the birds. And then Harry then at one point see sunlight and it says sunlight harry could almost cry at the simple gift from the universe which is definitely how i felt when i lived in seattle and it was just gray and rainy for six months and then finally the sun comes out and just i always thought to myself like i don't have seasonal depression i'm fine until the sun comes out and i'm like why do i feel so much happier <laughs> oh my god <laughs> or you know like the last year and a half where none of us mm -hmm. have gone outside <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, Kelly and I have been, we've, we've become 65 years old in that we would go on walks mm-hmm. every day at like three in the afternoon to look at a park near us because tulips were there and they only last for, you know, a month. <laughs> so we would go on walks to look at tulips. That's and so cute. You know what? I it, Tulip watch was great. And I felt so happy every time we did it. <laughs> so going on, the narrator says, if it weren't for these people, Harry would cry, but he cannot show weakness or they will hand him his ass. <laughs> so then you get the scene where all the letters are just flushing into the room. So Harry grabs one. And the narrator says that Harry thinks to himself, quote, I will take one letter into my room and whisper it to my horses and see what they think. (laughs) And Vernon, again, is called a new name. He's called Uncle Porkstar. And now we get into chapter four, which is called Hagar's Gifts. (laughs) So now they're at the house on the water, which is described as where love is dashed upon the rocks like a rose given as an insincere apology. (laughs) This is one of those lines that's just... It's just, that's just good writing. It's <laughs> It's quality. a little overwrought, but like, it's much better than the actual <laughs> JK. Yes. It is, it is good writing for over-the-top intentional writing, 100%. but just a rose given as an insincere, as an insincere apology. Incredible. <laughs> and then when Hagrid knocks on the door to enter, it is described as blam, blam, blam <laughs> at the door, which is my favorite Love Shack lyric when they go, <laughs> blam. <laughs> on the door, baby! <laughs> and then the breakdown of blam, blam, blam. <laughs> Knock a little louder, sugar. So then Hagrid is introduced. It is Hagar the Horrible, the Nightmare of Hair. Love it. Such a good name. Mm-hmm. Incredible stuff. Vernon pulls the gun on him. Hagar bends the gun so that the bullet, quote, ejects into the heavens and interrupts an angel's sleep. <laughs> Have we ever seen... I was curious. Is this the only thing where we see, like a quasi-superhero power from Hagrid where he just bends a gun? I mean, he's big and strong. I don't know if we see many other feats of strength from him except for just his normal giantness. But yeah, this is at least the most powerful we see Hagrid being. It's the most comical of strength displays. Yeah, it's a very weird choice. Also, I I know nothing about guns and I'm very glad that I don't, but... If you bend the barrel, <laughs> will the bullets still go out? I don't Obviously, think so. Obviously, <laughs> in Looney Tunes it does, but that is a cartoon. <laughs> so then Hagar gives the cake to Harry Potter. It is described as handmade no less with love by a warrior of the wind. Beautiful. Harry asks who Hagar is, and then you just get a great quote from the narrator. Hagar, says Hagar. Just <laughs> the simplicity. <laughs> Hagar explains that he is the gatekeeper and key master of Hogwarts, which are way cooler titles than groundskeeper. <laughs> hmm hmm And way more, like, uh, affirming, you know, for Hagar. Yeah. Harry plays his cards thinking that Hagar could be looking for a sidekick. I love that. <laughs> so Harry asks what's Hogwarts, and the assumption is that Harry clearly knows what it is, but he's trying to chum up to Hagrid. Mm-hmm. And the narrator says that this is a masterful play by Harry. But then Harry quickly decides that sidekicking for Hagar would suck balls, so he <laughs> doesn't care about this anymore. In the telling of the You're a Wizard Harry line, it is said as Hagar can't contain it anymore and just drops his secret. You're a wizard, Harry. (laughs) And Harry, with the talents of Lawrence of Olivier, feigns (laughs) surprise. 
I'm assuming that's just a very famous old school actor. Yeah, Lawrence you Olivier? know Lawrence Olivier? Yeah, he's. I might. He's like but what is he in? Oh, Shakespearean. Got it. Got it. Got it. Clearly not my strong suit, since I don't know any of these famous Shakespearean actors. But all the Lawrence of Olivier stands just drove their cars into the shoulder. So I'm sorry for the damages to your automobiles. <laughs> Harry gives his "I'm, but I'm just Harry" line. Hagar says, "If you're just Harry, then I assume lions are just lions and gods are just gods." Such a good line. Such a good line. It's really good. It is really good. So Hagar then gives Harry a letter, which the narrator says, this makes Hagar a bird friend, which <laughs> feels very much like it would be in the favor of our multitude cohorts of the Spirits podcast. <laughs> Uncle Vernon gets another new name, Uncle Baconface. And Aunt Petunia reveals that Harry's parents didn't die in a car crash, but instead, quote, in a much cooler way, a wizard's fight. <laughs> and there's something about calling it a wizard's fight instead of a wizard's duel that makes me think it is a fist fight, which is more fun. <laughs> <laughs> so then Petunia continues and belittles Harry's mom, calling her names and trying to say that Harry sucks and stuff like that. <laughs> Sucking is something that Harry does not want to do. So Hagar reveals to Harry that his adopted family is a bunch of music-hating, magicless muggles. And yeah, of course the Dursleys would just not like music. What's your favorite genre of music? I don't like music. Look, if anyone feels this way, please don't take this personally. But anytime I've ever heard anyone say... Oh, I'm asking, oh, like, what kind of music are you into? I don't really listen to music. I immediately know to distrust and move away from that person. The hugest of red flags. And you can be like me where I don't listen to that much music because I cannot listen to music while I work inherently. Totally. Because I edit podcasts. I like to listen to podcasts when I do the dishes or go grocery shopping or whatever. So usually my music listening is just when I want to vibe out mm -hmm. or if I'm at the gym or something. So even if you're a type of person that mainly listens to spoken things, audiobooks, podcasts, whatever, you still like some music. Yes. If you don't have an answer for what music I listen to, that is the reddest of flags. <laughs> if the reality is that you just mostly listen to spoken word, do not say, oh, I don't really like music. <laughs> yes, that is the wrong way to phrase it. <laughs> Because you gotta still like music. <laughs> yes. So the narrator continues, Zap goes Hagrid with the umbrella, and voila, a curled up Cheeto shoots right out <laughs> of Roast Bee's bottom. Woohoo! About time he birthed that Cheeto. He's been trying to birth it for years, thought Harry. So that's the description of the pigtail coming out. It is instead producing a Cheeto out of his butt and... You gotta love it. I love it. Do you remember uh, the Twisted Cheetos? I remember vaguely. I was not a big Cheeto guy. My yeah. parents weren't big unhealthy snack people. So my only access to getting snacks would be if I rode my bike to a Wawa or a grocery <laughs> store and stuff. And Cheetos weren't my go-to when I would do that. I remember when Cheetos got real funky with... Flamin' Hot Cheetos, and then they did the Flamin' Hot Cheeto spheres, mm -hmm. basically like spicy crunch berries that came in the little plastic pop top thing. Mm -hmm. They got real funky with it, and I just never got into the mix, but yeah. Well, I'm just realizing, I just because I did some Googling, that this came out, was this 2004, you said? I think it was, yeah. So uh, apparently Twisted Cheetos came out in 2004, and I know this because... 
I'm looking at a photo on Reddit of the bag of, of like nostalgia snacks subreddit. And Dane Cook is holding it. And Dane Cook is holding it. And no, even better, Shrek 2 is on the bag. Whoa. <laughs> and Shrek 2 came out in 2004. Oh my gosh. So wow. I guess Twisted Cheetos were a, uh, a cultural touchstone when this came out. I guess they were. Wow. Good for Cheetos. <laughs> Then we get a description of something that does not even happen in the movie. The narrator describes Hagar as drinking, quote, what has to be whiskey from a flask and offering some to Harry, who takes a giant pole, and then they leave. And I, when I was first doing this in prep for the podcast, I know what most of these scenes look like. So I had it on my laptop and I just had my notes app covering the screen. But when this happened, I moved it away and said, wait, does Hagrid drink something? And I had to rewind it and he doesn't, but the narrator just kept it in and you got to respect it. I thought it was, um, doesn't he drink like some like anti like air sickness thing or something? Cause they're about to go on the motorcycle. No, he just looks at a very tiny pocket watch type deal. And then they bounce. <laughs> Doesn't drink anything. Maybe it was an extended cut deleted scene Maybe, situation. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what we're working with. <laughs> so as they leave, Hagar asks Harry if he likes flying motorcycles. And Harry replies, anything is better than crawling. <laughs> and we get into chapter five, London's Bowels. Love it. First quote, while walking in the broad daylight with Hagar the Horrible as they walk through London, which, yeah, they do just walk through normal-ass London, and Hagrid's like eight foot five, I think. It's London, man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've been to London. I don't... I feel like I would still be flabbergasted by someone that's eight foot five, but... Maybe it is a British thing where everyone just kind of minds their own business that they aren't going to bug a very tall, hairy person. I mean, I, let's be real. You're you're walking down the streets of, of Fifth Avenue or whatever, and you see a very tall, unkempt man. Are you going to go up and be like, you are wrong? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I am not. I'm just going to look for the nearest Indian food restaurant because Indian food in London sucks. Laps. <laughs> so then Harry's syllabus requires that he gets wands, plural, magic <laughs> sand, and a Turkish massage owl. Is that a thing? No, I don't know okay. what it's referring. I mean, there are like Turkish massage, you know, Turkish bathhouses and like Turkish bath towels, but I have no idea what this is. <laughs> but I laughed so hard at the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> what also this made me realize is that it is strange for a school like Hogwarts to make people get stuff before they show up to school, especially because a lot of these kids have no idea that they are wizards until they get the letter. And that does feel very unfair that they don't have, and my high school did this, they had a used book sale, which was very nice of my high school, where if you were an upperclassman, you would show up, and this was like two days before the first day of class. They would clear out the auditorium, put up a bunch of tables, and then basically, if you were a sophomore, you could sell your freshman year books to freshmen and all of that, and it was facilitated by the school, and it was the best way for you as a kid to just not have to spend an arm and a leg on textbooks. You would think that Hogwarts should have some sort of school-sponsored thing of, hey, you might not have any idea what the hell is happening. Yeah. Like, how does Hermione know so much about what to do? Because her parents are dentists. That's true. That's a good point. Well, she reads a lot, so maybe, I don't know, maybe she read every book. Still, you would think there should be some sort of school-sanctioned 
hey, on this date, let's all go to Diagon Alley and we'll all have a line leader like Hagrid showing the way. It feels just very foolish, but also Hogwarts is incredibly poorly run, so I shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> That's lovely that your high school did that. Yeah. I went to school in Texas public system and uh, education is just a consumer product there. So, uh, mm. uh, you know, all books just should just be free to students. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That is why I went to a private all-boys Catholic high school that was 45 minutes away from where we lived because the school district we lived in was not very good. Yes. <laughs> so Hagar takes Harry to the Leaky Cauldron. And again, a great narrator surprise moment. He goes, a bar? Hagar the Horrible? You better know what you're getting Harry into. <laughs> <laughs> then the people at the bar say to Hagar, do you want some beer? And Hagar says, no, that's okay. I have Harry frickin' Potter with me today, <laughs> and we're doing some shopping. <laughs> Real question. In England or slash London, can kids just go into bars? <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure that the rule is you have to be 18 years or old to drink, but you can drink if you're 16 if a parent approves really buys the beer for you whatever i think that's the rule someone said that to me on an early episode of potterless or at least we talked about needing to be 16 and a lot of british people send me emails saying that <laughs> i was wrong but i'm pretty sure and i think that's also a thing in texas where you technically if you're 18 and your parents say it's chill you can have some of their drink. I'm pretty sure I learned this when I was a waiter at Papado Seafood Kitchen. Yes, I think you're right. I don't know if you can do it in a restaurant or not. Yeah, I don't know if it's a different of restaurant versus bar. Yeah, that's definitely the case. Yeah, it also could be one of those rules. Like maybe that is a rule in England, but I also, in my three years of being a waiter, that never happened a single time. No. That never happened. Oh, well, of course, because everyone in Texas is a good Christian boy and girl, and everyone, <laughs> and everyone just doesn't drink. I did once have someone hand me what was certainly, certainly a fake ID. And I was in college, <laughs> so I was knowledgeable of fake IDs. And I went to my manager, and I was like, hey, the lady at table this gave me a fake ID, and it's for sure fake, but I feel uncomfortable calling her out for it. Can you go to this table? And then he took care of it. <laughs> she just taped a photo of, of um, Kathy from the comic strip on top of her photo? I mean, it was expired and it was just not her. <laughs> it just was not her. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. So we meet Professor Quirrell, whose name is Professor Queerman. Now, this is very 2004 where Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was coming out. So that word was getting thrown around like, hotcakes. But if you are interpreting it as he is a strange man, yeah, Professor Quirrell, very strange. But also, I don't know how to feel about rebranding him as Professor Queerman. I think in 2021, if you named a professor Professor Queerman, as if in Spider-Man fashion, <laughs> awesome. Super gay superhero, love it. <laughs> 2004, this white dude writing this, pretty sure it's a it's a gay joke yeah not ideal something else i realized because the narrator consistently refers to what hagrid and harry are doing is as shopping yeah calling it shopping 
is what really brought to light to me how wild it is that Hogwarts doesn't have any sort of 100%. say or help aside from a list of things you have to buy. And expensive things, too. Yeah. It's not just like crayons. Yeah, I guess it's balanced <laughs> by the fact that tuition at Hogwarts is free, so you got to buy stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a deal that Diagonally has with the school. They've worked something out where you have to buy all the stuff. <laughs> Wizard capitalism makes total sense when you're fucking magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... In order to get into Diagon Alley, Hagrid has to draw a Masonic pentagram onto the brick wall. And Diagon Alley is called Calgon Alley, which I don't know if Calgon is anything. It is a thing. I don't know what it is, though. Wikipedia says Calgon is an American brand of bath and beauty products owned by PDC brands. No idea. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's cleaning products. Yeah. For over 70 years, Calgon has been dedicated to creating uniquely exhilarating bath and body experiences that stimulate the senses, restore the spirit, and Google has not given anything past this, past the preview. It's a very flowery way to say, we clean your toilet and we make laundry detergent. I would respect brands more if they were just straight up. If Calgon just said, hey, are your clothes dirty? Use Calgon laundry detergent. Yeah, dude, we don't need this flowery, really, the uniquely exhilarating bath and body experiences that stimulate the senses and restore the spirit. If someone asks you what laundry detergent do you use, usually I would say, oh, I get tied because it's not very expensive and you can get the big jug and <laughs> it's made from recycled plastic and I feel better about buying it. I don't go, well, you know, my, my tied with... Febreze and it really just stimulates my senses and provides a uniquely exhilarating bath and body experience. <laughs> it washes my clothes and it doesn't cost a lot and it was on sale at Christides. <laughs> if they were honest though, they'd have to be like, you know, this is a soap that cleans well, that's made from many different lab-derived chemicals that harm the environment and probably <laughs> are responsible for climate change. Like, it's not a good look either way. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, they get into Calgon Alley, an exhilarating, stimulating sense, and the narrator says, sweet mustache, willikers. <laughs> get into chapter six, which is called, with money, I am safe. Capitalism. <laughs> so Gringotts is called Wobble Columns, which again, which I didn't realize. In the movie, that building is so structurally unsound. <laughs> As a former engineer, that is violating all sorts of structural codes. They're all diagonal. And this is pre-dragon crawling on the ceiling. <laughs> Gringotts, how, how did that whole thing not just come crumbling to shreds? There are just no building codes in Diagon Alley. I don't know, Mike. Mike, can you explain the Leaning Tower Pisa to me? No. So... Let's move on. Thwarted again. <laughs> <laughs> so they go into Gringotts, Wobble Columns, and the description of the people that work in Gringotts I think is much better than what it really is, which is, hey, a caricature of Jewish people. The narrator says, quote, imagine a three-year-old with antler-like nose and ears and a jellyfish draped over its head and stuffed into a leprechaun suit. I like that a lot better. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, like, it's still not great to make fun of an uh, actor's appearance, but, like, when you compare it against, hey, Jewish people aren't great, 
yeah, I'll take that. Give me the other one. <laughs> and to be fair about all these actors, they don't just get people. They get people and then just slather prosthetics all over their faces. That's true. That's true. The only thing that could be insulting would be the height. But aside yes. from that, yes, the hair and makeup department just had a field day mm-hmm. with the Gringotts folks. Rewatching it, I was surprised how fluidly i forget who that actor's name is but that actor was able to like move in all his prosthetics like it was it looked pretty good for 2000 whatever it was Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so then they show up to the vaults which the narrator described as riding on a roller coaster which is accurate it does look like a roller coaster and also is a roller coaster now (laughs) yeah is is it it's the worst one in harry potter world So Harry Potter and Hagar are freaked out by the goblin who is trying to look cool, but the narrator just keeps railing on him for not looking cool (laughs) over and over again. They open the vault and Harry tries to make a noise, but Harry is not available. (laughs) They then are opening Dumbledore's vault in order to do so. The leprechaun tickles the door's back so it unclenches and opens the door. (laughs) I enjoyed tickling the back and then immediately didn't like it when the word used was unclenches. So to Harry's displeasure, it is not filled with more gold, but instead a silly little gunny sack, which I googled and learned was a little burlap sack. Yeah, is that? I learned it from a shin song. Is that a British thing? A gunny I don't, sack? A shit? I what the sh, a shin? What is is that the a band, band that shins. I'm not cool enough to know about? You don't know the shins? No. What do they sing? Uh, I'll send you some stuff. Ooh. Their most famous one is that song from. Um, oh fuck! What is the name of that? film is it new slang or simple song or caring is creepy i've never heard of any of these songs do you ever watch garden state the movie uh no but i'm from new jersey (laughs) (laughs) never mind then (laughs) (laughs) this is just going to be an eternal rabbit hole of you just naming things i'm not cool enough to know what they are oh is in this movie i've even seen that movie oh it's starring this actor oh you don't know that actor portman and um... i know i know i know who's i know of garden state at least but (laughs) Just keeps getting nicher and nicher. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen this one act play? <laughs> so chapter seven is called Brandish This with an exclamation point. And they go to Ollivander's shop, which is called Ed Vander's. I don't know. It's, just giving him a normal sounding name is so fun. <laughs> I love it. It's the American version of it. Yeah. <laughs> one of the first quotes, Jeepers, Ed Vander's rushes into Harry's view like a scarecrow's carcass. A scary <laughs> visage indeed. <laughs> He is unnecessarily creepy in this film. Oh, yes. And I have pointed it out in the movie episodes of Potterless that Ollivander just looks rough. Just (laughs) so rough. And I'm glad that I am on the same page as the narrator. Mm -hmm. Harry, at one point, Ed Vanders gets real close describing wands in his creepy Ed Vanders way. And Harry thinks to himself... I will make spells that save me from looking like him. (laughs) Ed Vanders then thinks that channeling Harry Potter's nuclear levels of energy will be a challenge. Harry, now bored and tired, brandishes his wand again, trying the second time, and this is the one where he explodes the vase of flowers. Kabloomers! Destruction! (laughs) Then there's this lengthy comparison of... Ed Vanders with this why didn't I think of this moment like a dad who does that with a kid shopping because they don't know how else to better spend time with their child. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the narrator continues calling Ed Vanders an Amadeus and a thespian, and Vanders then gives Harry what becomes Harry's wand, and he says that it is the brother of the wand of the Scar Maker, which is a really cool name for Voldemort that they should have used more often. Mm-hmm. That is a dope nickname. Mm-hmm. Harry asks what the Scar Maker's name is, and the narrator says, quote, Vanders all but holds up a skull and soliloquies. We don't say his name, but he is a badass. He can kill anything, a gorilla or a bear, whatever, anything but you. <laughs> so we've established that Harry Potter is stronger than gorilla, <laughs> stronger than bear. Higher on the food chain. He calls Harry an army of wizards, and while he leans in very close, Harry is just holding his breath and doesn't want to smell Ed. I love that. It's so good. And then you get a quote, which ends this chapter, and for me was always one of my favorite moments. This was always the moment when we would watch it before going out to doing something in college. We would always stop after this one because it's just a great stopping point, and it'll be the stopping point of this episode of Potterless. Just something about this quote, Hagrid comes in, taps on the door, and it says, finally, breaking the mood, Hagar taps the window. Holy balls! He bought the Turkish owl! Hurrah! (laughs) And at that moment, me and my friends would always just say, let's go and party! (laughs) (laughs) It was so perfect. Such good timing. Holy balls, he bought the Turkish owl. Hurrah. It's just, that was one that me and my buddy Patrick Wynn, who showed me this video in the first place, shout out to Patrick, he and I would say, holy balls, he bought the Turkish owl. Hurrah. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) And that's the end of this first episode covering wizard people dear reader how do you feel about this first part brandon i feel good i'm glad that we got the turkish owl i really wanted to make sure that that was bought (laughs) and still you know i don't really know what's going to happen anymore the whole narrative has devolved (laughs) but i'm i'm glad that the turkish owl has remained indeed indeed well i'm glad that you remained here with me to discuss wizard people dear reader and you'll be back for the next episode to discuss it some more but in the meantime if people want to find you doing podcasty stuff where can they do so you can find me on the twitters at brandon google it's like google with an r but only one vowel but only one vowel (laughs) and it's a u and it's you (laughs) It's like bugle with a gruh. <laughs> <laughs> and you should listen to Join the Party. It's a podcast about D&D and superheroes. It's really fun. And next stop, it's a uh, podcast sitcom. And you can find those wherever pods are cast. Mm-hmm. Well, Brandon, thank you for joining listeners. Thank you for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, as they make their purchase of a Turkish owl, <laughs> wizard on! <laughs> If you're all caught up on Potterless Horse Meddling Adults, all the multitude shows, but you need something more from us, why don't you join the multi-crew? Because then you'll get access to Head, Heart, Gut. It's a friendly debate show. It is available to all multi-crew subscribers. You can hear us debate things. Currently, we're debating the best video game protagonist. I'm arguing on behalf of Jack from Jack and Daxter. I am correct. If you want to hear me argue against people who are incorrect, you can join the multi-crew and listen at multicrew.club. Potterless is created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert, as well as Vicky 
Garcia, Christine, Aaron Johnson, Klauser, Lopu, Marchismo, Juan Sanfeliu, Rosemary, Dajmarie, Lisa C. Keen, Audra, Eleanor Kerlin, Nikita Power, Rachel Guthrie, Alex Consulver, John Kotker, Noel Basile, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Jennifer Marklu, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Nikki Harris, Kine, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Flora Sake, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskov Chova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Binkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Marae Kariga, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeel, Kevin Stewart, Jarls Fiven, Peter McGrath, Callahan Andares, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Rees Dignan, Joseph Torp, Madison, Don't Call Me an Infidora, Sabrina Balsiker, Sophie Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie De Grave, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Bony Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mango Jensen, Taylor Payne, Megan Moon, Riley Kitas, Laurel Happy, Erica Butler, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Henrika Wolf, Casey Canales, Megan Stampin, Jack Skitzes, Dane Nemcher, Little One, Ilaria Vicentin, Gregory Hughes, Caw Caw, Mother Feathers, Ribbon Monstrosity, Jack Parr, Serenity Allen, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Jenny Browers, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Hufflepuff Alumni, Brett Clausen, Mary Price, Artemis, Samantha McNamara, Nina Campley, Tatiana Schmidt, Carries Davies, Little Vomit Spiders Running Around, Punkfish, Wire Warrior 4976, Joe Sander, Michael Peavy, Maya Saunders, Jasmine Ellis, Neely, Tate Sasson, Sam Sam Reby, Adriana Hernandez, John Savio, Jody, Dunna Morphy, Nash Sanadiki, Emma L. Oscar Thomason, Sean Kirkoba, Greg Bonastali, Matthew J. Moreland, Ping Vinacek, Nani, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com. Bonus content lives at Patreon.com slash Potterless, and merch lives at PotterlessPodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, you think of someone that might like it, reach out to them directly and say, hey, there's this podcast called Potterless. I think you would like it. Other ways you can do this that are similar are posting about it on social media or leaving a rating and review online. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on!